This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All good things are wild and free. Henry David Thoreau. But um, but that was the coolest thing. And we saw Cubs, so on our Shenandoah trip a few years ago in October... We saw, I think, we had 14 bear sightings, but we think some of them might have been the same bears. Um, yes, that's a lot. And then I do have an anecdote that happened to one of the Chainsaw Crew members that he was saying he was going through. We normally wear our shirts that say Blue Mountain Eagle Climbing Club, but he was going through and he was wearing a shirt and he has chainsaw and he came across some hikers and they were very startled to see a man with a chainsaw in the woods by himself. They're just like, hey. <laughs> He's like, oh no, I'm just doing drumming and it's nothing. Nothing uh, bad over here, but yeah. So usually people are like very friendly, very nice. I'd say the best part so far has been um, like letting other people paint blazes. So if we see any through hikers, we always offer for them to paint a blaze and they get really excited. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
This week, we are speaking to a children's book author who is helping to inspire the next generation of hikers out there. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Michelle Adshead. How's it going, Michelle? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Great, great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're, you're calling in from across the country. I'm in Southern California, and you are where? New Jersey, New outside Jersey. of Philadelphia. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. How was New Jersey today? You know, it was actually nice. It wasn't too humid, but I feel like New Jersey is kind of like a hidden gem because everybody hates on it. So I'm kind of happy about that. I'm like, okay, it'll be our best kept secret. <laughs> Are there some some nice places to hike in New Jersey? Yeah. Um, so New Jersey is kind of known for being kind of flat. So that does make it, depending on who you are, kind of good to hike. Um, but we do have parts of the Appalachian Trail and the Pine Barrens. So it's pretty beautiful. The Pine Barrens. That sounds kind of spooky. It is spooky. It's known for um, like the Jersey Devil, I think, is from the Pine Barrens, right. like that folklore. Yeah. So it is kind of known for some spooky stuff, but it, um, I have gone backpacking in the area and it's really nice. I like it. Yeah, the, the hockey team for New Jersey, named after the New Jersey Devil. Yes, exactly. See, you know. <laughs> That's right. Hey, in all your time on the trail, have you come by a trail name? I actually don't have one. It's so sad, but I, um, I haven't. So maybe one day. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. I feel like someone would have to definitely give it to me because I'm too indecisive otherwise. Okay, maybe tonight. Maybe tonight. I'll, I'll keep my ears open <laughs> and my mind open and we'll see if we can find you a trail name. Okay, yeah. <laughs> feel free to reject any any weird suggestions. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Hey, Michelle, have you listened to the podcast before? Yes, I have. Of course. Okay. So you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That's yes. uh, where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Sounds good. I'm okay. ready. <laughs> and I understand we, we may have a friend in common. Who is it? Well, I was doing a quick uh, tour through your Instagram account and I saw one of my former guests from the podcast, Derek Lugo. Oh, yeah. I love Derek. Yeah. Unlikely through hiker. <laughs> Yes. He's the absolute best. He's so positive. I love his book. I love everything he posts. Just like makes you feel good. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. We had him on and he was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, very genuine. Uh, everything he said was, uh, was just, it really hit home and reading his book. I felt like I was out there with him. He did a really good job with that book. Yeah. I felt like I was reading letters from a friend when I was reading his book and I know exactly what you mean. He makes, there's only a few people I've met who are like this in the world, but he just makes you feel like you're already friends and already family. And just, you can kind of talk to him and tell him anything. Yes. And he is currently out on the continental divide trail. Yeah. Have you been following his journey at all? I have. It's, it's really cool. It's really fun to see it in real time. I think that's like the fun thing about social media. You know, there are some pros and cons, but I think that getting able, being able to see people in real time, do their journeys and what they like and what they don't like is really fascinating. Right. And for those of you that have not read the unlucky through unlikely through hiker or are not familiar with Derek Lugo, he was a, uh, an African-American kid who grew up in Brooklyn and somehow somebody had mentioned the Appalachian trail to him and it kind of got into his brain and burrowed there for a while. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to do the Appalachian trail. And so he got all the gear and he put on his fully loaded pack for the very first time on his very first hike when he showed up to the approach trail to Springer Mountain, which is just uh, incredible. 
that someone who's planning on hiking 2,200 miles, their first hike is the 2,200 mile hike. So. <laughs> I know that is, that is wild to me. I love when people say that, that, that a through hike was their first backpacking trip. Cause I feel like I'm kind of the opposite. I'll like do things very slowly for the most part. I'm like, okay. Like I just went camping for the first time by myself, but I brought my dog and I'm like, okay, let's see if we can do this and just get my feet wet. But I think it's awesome. Okay. Well, here we go. You ready? Yes. Okay. The must bring gear review. All right. That's half calf. That's my youngest daughter. Uh, who she sounds English, but she's, she's, she's American rest assured. She's Southern California, born and bred. And uh, she likes to fancy herself uh, uh, from an English persuasion, or I don't know, maybe Australian or South African. Her accent kind of gets more and more bizarre as we we go through the episode (laughs) here, but this is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, six moon designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you'd insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Michelle, what is your must bring piece of gear? Okay. So I was thinking about this today and I was like, this has to be it because I, I'm definitely on board with the shoes aspect of this because I tend to get blisters and things like that. So I, but I would actually say my camp shoes, which are my zero sandals. And because they've saved me on trips before where I, um, you know, we hiked more mileage or it was like wetter and I ended up getting really bad blisters. Um, one in particular is we were in Grand Teton National Park and did a lot of elevation miles and stuff like that. And I got a blister and it popped and a blister on top of that and it popped and we still had to do the whole rest of our trip. So um, I ended up just wearing wool socks and my zeros and you can put them above your blister or below your blister. And, um, that like saved the day. Cause I could not wear my boots for another second. So now I guess maybe it's kind of like a crutch, but I also love like taking off my boots once I get to camp and not putting them back on until the next morning. So definitely my camp shoes. That is great. That is great. That is reminiscent of Billy Yang when he did the John Muir trail. Billy Yang is a, a, uh, an ultra runner. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's got a, a YouTube channel, does a lot of great stuff. Okay. I haven't heard of him, but I'll have to look okay. him up. After. That's all right. That's right. And so he had a couple of friends who were going to do the John Muir trail. And so he signed up to do it. He said, you know, I, I run ultras. How hard could this be? And his feet actually just absolutely became demolished. They were, they were oh. just really, really in bad shape. And so he actually did the same thing. He put on his, his camp shoes for a while. Yeah. It's, it's wild because I was so, and I like my Crocs too, but sometimes they rub a certain way. And I was torn when I was packing, do I bring the Crocs or the zeros? But I brought the zeros and I could not have hiked because we did like 10 miles in that day and out and there's elevation. I couldn't have done it in Crocs. I would have been in my socks or we would have probably honestly had to turn around. So yeah. So those are like lifesavers for me. Okay. And you, you sound like you're really attached to your boots, even though they they've given you blisters. Well, that was their last trip, the Grand, the, the Grand Tetons, when I had those blisters, because I actually got them when I first got into hiking. My mom got them for me. Um, so they're very like traditional boots. And I do love them. And I love the brand. But I think what the issue was, and I had them for a long time, but um, they're like my actual shoe size, and I should have had a size up. But I didn't realize. So for a while, it didn't really bother me. But then um, I think they were kind of running you know, they're getting older. And if you're, when your feet start swelling and you're doing more and more stream crossing and stuff. So I've actually switched to trail runners now and I do really like them. 
I think when a lot of people get involved in hiking, they, they, they fall in love with the idea of hiking and they go with the popular, what they think is the popular method of hiking that's in boots. And I think after yeah. doing it for a while, a lot of people, I mean, some people hang on to those. I mean, they, they're diehard boot people. They swear they live and die by, by the boot. Uh, but I think that a lot of people, as they get into it and they look around, I think they, they make, they do make that switch to trail runners. I know I did. Right. Yeah. I feel like you kind of have to. And I think I'm, I'm not going to blame because I love the book and the movie, but wild, that whole thing is that brown boot with the red shoelace. And I think it's so iconic that when you buy your first pair and you're spending a lot of money on it, you're like, Ooh, I might get these ones. And then at least for me and you, (laughs) and I think a lot of other people, you're kind of like, okay, I might wait till this time is over and then get some, some trail runners. And what, uh, what brand of trail runners do you subscribe to? I knew you're going to ask me that. And I don't remember the name. It's not terrible. I'm so bad at like gear names and well, I kind of just got them too, but um, I forget. I'm going to have to email you. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Nice. <laughs> All right. It's the hiking pole. All right. On to our next segment, which is the hiking pole. And if you've listened to uh, uh, the podcast before, I think you have a preconceived notion of what the hiking pole is all about. And I've changed it up. And so oh, I'm not sure okay. if you've listened to any of the newer episodes. I'm not sure if, a new, if an episode has dropped yet that, uh, that has the new version of the hiking pole in it. So this is, this is probably going to be a surprise for you. Okay. So the hiking pole, it's a seven question survey um, that's going to help me determine where you fall on the sanity scale with one being completely bonkers and 100 being completely sane. Okay. Nobody has scored 100 so far. I, I just told you, I don't know the brand of my shoes. So I feel like I probably lost a few points there. <laughs> but rather rather than focus on some very hiking specific questions, I decided to change this up. And we are going to wrestle with some of the big questions of our age. They don't apply to hiking. This is just out there in reality, real life type questions. The, the, the big philosophical dilemmas of our time. Okay. Are you awesome. ready? This is, this is sounding pretty deep, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. Okay, no, I'm okay, I am. So, all right. Question number one. In the real world, not on the trail, in the real okay. world, do you sleep with your socks on? No. No. Maybe if it was very, very cold, but no. Okay. Do you? Does it, get, does it get very cold in, in New Jersey? It gets cold, but not usually in my apartment. <laughs> not too you know, we have like a little fireplace, but if I was like, you can't knock the chill out, then maybe I would but like maybe twice a year, but no, I don't normally. Okay. Well, no, no, no point deduction so far. I don't sleep with my socks on either. No, no. <laughs> Gotta let the feet breathe. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Question two, does pineapple belong on pizza? Oh, okay. I, I have had it and I don't hate it. So, but I've never ordered it. Like I've had it with someone else ordered it. I'm going to say yes. Cause I'm going to support I'm going to support it. I think whatever you want to eat, you should eat. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I like the way you, you, you've answered that question that uh, <laughs> you've had it. You don't hate it. You've never ordered it. It's only if it's come with a, a, a uh, with a friend. Yes. Right? Like if someone yeah. orders a couple pies, I've, I've tried it. This was like when I was a kid and I've never ordered it again, but I don't hate, I can understand the sweet and savory mix. Okay. But I can what, tell what, I'm about to get a point off. <laughs> <laughs> what What is your go-to pizza topping? Okay, lately we've been doing pepperoni with bacon. It's very decadent, but it's very good. <laughs> Doubling up there. Yeah. <laughs> Protein pizza. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know, it just adds a little something, but we don't always do it. Or um, there's also a place that does, they call it flamingo pizza and it's like a vodka pasta sauce with chicken on the pizza. And that is so good too. Yeah. We, our go-to for a long time was barbecue chicken pizza. Ooh, yes. Really good. But then we've been, we've been, lately we've been going with, with pepperoni that has been like crispy pepperoni. Ooh, like the fancy pepperoni. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, uh, really check the box for us. So, yeah, but I agree. I agree. Pineapple does belong on pizza. Oh, you agree. Cause I was going to say, don't you think barbecue chicken put some pineapple? You probably have a good time there. Yeah. And we, we recently got a pizza oven for outside. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh, that sounds amazing. And if I had even, a yard. <laughs> even better, even better. Half calf has mastered the art of cooking pizzas in the pizza oven. It's, it's, it's a real skill. You've got to keep turning that baby because it's like uh, seven, 800 degrees inside that thing. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. so it probably cooks pretty quick then, huh? It does. It does. That's a good investment. Yeah. So with half calf doing the cooking, all I have to do is, is, uh, you know, light the charcoal and sit back and relax. That's on, Hey, you got made over there. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Okay. Next question. Question three, do you roll your toilet paper over or under? Over. Over. Why, why is that? That I actually saw this online the other day, <laughs> all that time on Instagram is paying off that that's how the original manufacturer said to do it but I think it's easier to get it. I will say that when my dog was a puppy, it was easier for her to get it too. And she TP'd our apartment a couple of times. Um, but yeah, I would, I would go over. Should there be a diagram on the packaging showing that? <laughs> Maybe something they should teach in school. Like this is just how it goes. Oh, but I will I like say that. every school I've been in always has it over. Mm -hmm. Right. So Maybe it is kind of taught in school. Yeah, I'm in education. This this might be something that I push for in our district. Is that <laughs> yeah, we, you have to. <laughs> we need to have some some life skills. And one of those I think is very important. The toilet paper goes over. It rolls the over. Toilet paper goes under. over. It'll be toilet paper and taxes on the agenda. Just your general life things you got to know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> how how uh, is this a hill you would die on? This, this is, are you, are you, you know, flat out, this is 100% should always be over, never under. Uh, okay. Are you passionate about this or dog. is this, is this, is this not something you're that passionate about? No, I would say I'm pretty passionate about it. Cause I did say my puppy would TP the house, but we just closed the door. I didn't switch for a while. My fiance was trying to do like, put the roll just behind the toilet bowl. But I was like, we're too old to be doing that. We don't live in a college dorm. We can't live our lives like that. So yeah, I would say I would die on that hill. Okay. Are you so passionate that when you go to other people's houses and you're, you're sitting on the, on the throne and you notice that their toilet paper is under, do you correct it for them? I think I have done that maybe. Nice. Or if it's my house, at least I think probably at my mom's house. Like if I was like a guest somewhere, I wouldn't feel like I would do that. But if I noticed it at my house or my mom's house or like my sister's, I would probably switch it. And I would tell them like, why did you do that? <laughs> any points any points that you may have lost in your hesitancy on the pineapple question you just gained back with with, with okay <laughs> so okay i feel like we're kind of on on the same wavelength with these we are things. and this this poll is completely subjective it, it's all based on on how i feel the answer should be i like that, I like yeah. that. <laughs> okay. okay next question how do you pronounce g i f 
the little, uh, you know, short video picture. Yes. I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to make sure I don't mess up. G I F. I say, I say gif. Wait. Yeah. I think I say gif. Gif. No, I think I used to say gif. I might say gif now. No, I say gif, but I probably say it wrong. I say like a lot of stuff wrong. My, Michelle, like, I, I think you're doing, you're, you're going back and forth and you're trying to read my face. What is no, I'm not. I was for? looking up here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I say gif. I say gif. Gif. Final answer, gif. Final answer, gif with, with a hard G, gif. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. GIF, GIF is peanut butter. Yes. GIF, GIF is a video, a short video file. Oh, okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Very good. Okay. I'm passing okay. so far. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this next question. I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Cats or dogs? Oh, you know, I do love all animals, but I am very much a dog person. Like if, if I was anything in a past life, it was a dog. Cause I like, I love food. I love to hang my head out the window. I love going on walks. I, I love dogs. I connect to them cats and, and they're so friendly. I feel like cats are great too. I mean, they're cute, but I just love that dogs just already think you're best friends. And I swear like I don't know. I just feel so connected to my dog and they're just great. So are cats though. I don't hate any animals, but, um, but I love dogs. Okay. <laughs> I just can't, I'm not on board with the litter box thing. I have a hard time with that, to be honest. Yeah. And you know what, that your answer actually takes us off another direction here. It's time for a current event. Okay. We're, we're going to do two segments in one right here. This is the first Michelle, this has never happened before. So congratulations. Oh my gosh. You mentioned that in a past life, you must've been a dog. Yeah. And so I, I, have you seen the recent story out there about a guy who paid, I don't know, I don't know if it was 16,000 or $60,000 to create a, like a, a dog suit that looks so realistic, like a dog that, and he got into it. So he, I don't know how many hours of his day each day, he, he pretends to be a dog. I have not seen that. Yeah. <laughs> That is, that's, that's passion right there. That is passion. Wow. That's a lot of money. Either, either way, 16 or 60. Right. But I bet he's in there much. and he's like smiling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Now you mentioned the litter box. Um, I just spent Sunday. So four days ago, five days ago with my son jukebox. He lives in an apartment uh, about a half hour away and he's on a uh-huh. third floor apartment with a balcony and on the balcony, he has created, we were building this on, on Sunday. Uh, we, we built this potty paradise for his, <laughs> for his, his 75 pound dog uh, that he has. So oh, wow. in order for the dog to go to the bathroom, if he didn't have this, he'd have to take that dog down three flights of stairs and you know go for a walk and then yeah. come back up. And, and so they, they've put on this special screen on the patio so the dog can go out there whenever he wants. And he's built this potty paradise. Um, but what he, what he used to have was just, it was covered in sod and the dog would do his business on there, but he's constantly watering the sod to try to keep it alive and the sod's dying. And, and so yeah, he came up with this new plan. He saw it on YouTube somewhere and we built, built this two layer structure where the bottom layer actually has kind of a, a slant, uh, uh, a slanting structure that we cover in it's like trash bag material and okay. there's a hole in the trash bag. And so it, it all, it slants in such a way that it, all the, the liquid flows down towards the hole. And then there's like a paint tray underneath it. 
And then on top of that structure is another two by four structure with the artificial turf on top of it. Wow. And so the artificial turf is porous. The dog goes to the bathroom on there. It drains down into the, the paint tray and he's able to, I, I haven't asked him what he does with the, the contents of the paint tray. If he just throws it off the balcony or if he puts it in the <laughs> toilet, what he does, but it's something that, don't ask questions. My, my motto is don't ask questions. You don't want to know the answers to. Yeah. Hopefully he checks to see if someone's down there. First. <laughs> right. That could get awkward. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. I guess dogs have litter boxes too. So I shouldn't have. It, it was a big. Heavy all on the path. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Question number six. Do you use, and you're an author, so I'm expecting mm-hmm. you to know what, what I'm going to ask you here. Yeah. I'm not going to have to explain it to you. Do you use the Oxford comma? I do. Yes. Oh, do. no hesitation. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I like the Oxford comma and I will die. That's a hill I will die on. Do you? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a former okay. English teacher. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, but okay. Yeah. I was going to X out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important. It always shocks me when it's not somewhere, when I'm reading something, I'm right? Like, what is this? <laughs> so what sort of, what sort of barbarism are we living in? If someone does not use the Oxford comma, come on. I agree. That's a hill to die on because that mm-hmm. otherwise you're just setting yourself up for confusion and it just, it just makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And okay. if you are not an author, if you're not an author out there and you're not a former English teacher and you're wondering what the heck is an Oxford comma, look it up. It's very important. Know it, learn it, use it. We're going to be looking at everyone's Instagram posts for it now. No, (laughs) tag us. (laughs) Okay. Right now you have, you have zero point deductions. Wow. You're you're as close to perfect as you can get at this point. One question left, one question left. This might be the spoiler. Okay. That's fair. I can live with a 90 or 80. <laughs> okay. So I'm not sure how they roll in, in New Jersey, but is a hot dog, a sandwich? Ooh, I was thinking about this a little while ago. I forget you, what just I randomly, think. just randomly. You were thinking about this. <laughs> well, I swear somebody, I saw it. I must've seen it online or someone said that. I was like, what would I say for that? <sighs> See, I wasn't joking. This, these are the, these are the big issues of our time. These are are things that uh, we're confronted with over and over again. Yeah. I, I could go either way on this. This is the problem because should I tell you my thoughts or should I just say one? Oh yeah. Talk it, talk it out. I'd love to hear the reasoning. Cause I think you could argue that it's an open face sandwich. Right. But I do think that it's its own brand, like is a square, a rectangle. You know what I mean? A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. A hot dog is a sandwich, but it, but are you, are you trying to argue that a sandwich has to be square? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying like, I, you I've, know never seen a, I've never seen a, I've never seen a square Philly cheesesteak. No, that's true. Oh, that's true. Okay, great. The Philly cheesesteak, but it, that's a sandwich. So yeah, I would say a hot dog's a sandwich. Because open face, I would say so. You would say that a hot dog is a sandwich? I think I, I because a Philly cheesesteak is a sandwich. Oh, that's a 70 point deduction. <laughs> now I'm failing. That one. <laughs> I think, but also here's another one for you: is cereal a soup? Oh, oh! If I like I that. I'm, I'm going to include that in future episodes. <laughs> is cereal a soup? Yeah, and I like to say that it is. It's a gazpacho of sorts. It kind of it meets the criteria because a soup right. does not have to be hot. Right. 
you have to have a liquid, right? It's in a bowl and there may be things in the, in, in the liquid. So I yeah. don't know. It kind of brings up hot dog sandwich, cereal soup. Mm-hmm. I would say I have to go both ways. I have to stick with both my answers. Hot dogs, a sandwich. Okay. I had, I had a guy argue that uh, it was not a sandwich because of the hinged bread. There was a hinge in the bun. And so that didn't then, qualify. So a cheese he got, he got oddly specific on that. And he, he was <laughs> that one. Okay. But then is a, a hokey a sandwich? Like a yes. sub? Mm-hmm. Is a, is a hokey? Is there oh, a hinge? Oh, we What is that? Sorry. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we could spend a whole episode on this. Yeah. We'll have to. Yeah. We just have to. I, I lost 70 points. <laughs> I have to live with myself now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, it was not a 70 point deduction, slight deduction, not, not 70 points. Oh, okay. Let me, okay. Yeah. Let, me, let me do some quick math here. I got to carry the two <laughs> and to divide by pi. I'm going to multiply by the root of five. Oh, wow. We're going to adjust for the altitude of Mount Katahdin. Okay. Okay. And I come up with a solid, solid score. Maybe one of the highest scores we ever had of 91. Wow. Okay. I'm Impressive. happy. You are, you're probably the sanest person that we have talked to on the pod. I don't know if that makes for a good episode or a bad episode. So we'll I know. To- I was gonna say, does that mean I'm the worst? <laughs> <laughs> I need you to be a little offbeat the rest of the episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We want to hear about your background, where you grew up, uh, are you involved in any kind of sports or hobbies, uh, like maybe in high school? And how did you get involved in the outdoor adventure cult? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I grew up, so now I live in New Jersey on one side of Philadelphia, but I grew up kind of on the other side in Pennsylvania. Um, and I grew up, I was like the least, I would say I was the least active person, but I didn't do any group sports because I was just like, I don't know. I don't think I would have really done well so I I did like musical theater kind of stuff and um I guess I did some dance and stuff like that and then I in terms of the outdoors we kind of we never grew up going camping or anything but my parents would take us like biking and hiking and on trails and things like that um but I noticed in college like I always wanted to go camping and wanted to go hiking I kind of like begged my friends who had the gear to go with me or just like kind of ask them to and I went to college in the city at Temple University in Philly. So, and I loved it. I had a great experience, but I noticed like whenever finals came around that I was just so stressed and anxious. And even, so sometimes I would go back home just to suburbia and I would notice that my anxiety would be reduced even though I was still studying for finals just at home. And I slowly kind of pieced together that nature um, really affects my brain. Like I think it does everybody's personally, but I could really tell how it was making me less anxious, happier, just overall relaxed. So that's kind of, I would say kind of what sparked it. And then I kind of, um, yeah, started going hiking more and eventually joined my hiking club, the Blue Mountain Eagle Climbing Club, which is uh, where I do trail maintenance with them um, in Pennsylvania. And yeah, so that's kind of where I do now. I just like, I, I like walking. So I think that outdoor people think walking and hiking is a sport and I'm on board with that. And, um, so yeah, I'd say that's probably like my outdoor activities now is mostly, um, just being outside, walking the dog. Um, yeah. Did that answer the question? (laughs) It did. That did, did did a very good job. And I've got a couple of follow-up questions for you. Okay. All right. So number one, you were in musical theater in high school. 
Yes, but I wasn't very good. <laughs> like I was always in the chorus. <laughs> and so what was your favorite production that you guys put on? You know, I think it was maybe My Fair Lady, which is like an old timey kind classic. of one. But yeah. Yeah. It's a classic. The music's really sweet. Um, yeah, that or The Music Man. I was in that like twice just with community theater when I was really little. And then again, when I was older, so it was fun kind of being like a kid. And then I was still a kid. I was probably 17, but you get to play like the adult chorus from him for me. I didn't, I didn't have any lines, but um, it was, it's just fun. Like camaraderie. I love like, um, like singing and just like music and stuff like that. Right. Now I, you, you, you were thinking about whether or not a hot dog was a sandwich just, just the other day. So I, I know you, you do a lot of thinking. And so I'm expecting you to have an answer to this question. Okay. And that is, you talked about the restorative power of nature. Yeah. And I think that is a common theme that runs throughout this, this podcast. We hear from so many people about um, how nature changes them when they're out in nature. A lot of people are out there working on things and they, they're able to process big, heavy issues out there. What is it? What is it about nature? that provides that uh, restoration for us. Yeah. So I read this book called the, was it the nature fix? I think it was the nature fix or the nature prescription. Hmm. So one of those, <laughs> but it kind of went through like how, um, even if you're in central park in New York city and you go through the trees, even though you're surrounded by buildings, it still affects your brain for X amount of time. But if, you know, if you go back, um, country camping for three days, you'll see those positive effects for longer. So whether like a walk through your neighborhood might last a few hours or till the rest of the day, just for example, um, camping or backpacking might even last like a few weeks. So I don't know the exact science behind it, but I do know that I, I like to say it's just where humans were meant to be really, we were meant to be outside. We we're meant to live outside in like, you know, you have in my ideal world, I would have a tiny home on a lot of land because I don't really want to be in the house. I want to be outside, you know, um, cooking outside. You can do pretty much everything outside. And then like, just like when you're backpacking and then just use, like for me, I just use my tent to sleep or if it's raining, but I just think that's where we're meant to be. I think that's where my brain like thrives creatively. And I just see a huge difference in myself, um, in terms of like anxiety and the overthinking <laughs> side of me comes down a bit. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that we are hardwired to be outdoors. I think that's, uh, it's just something primal in us that kind of calls back to our you know, generations ago, you know, where, where we spent most of our time, where we existed. And I also think that uh, the other, the part of that, the other, the other side of that coin is that currently in, in modern times, you know, our lives are full of stuff to think about, you know, things to worry about, appointments, meetings, uh, conflicts, uh, you know, work, school, everything else. You always, there's not a lot of downtime in in today's society. And when you're out in nature, I mean, it's, it it breaks it down into very simple things, especially if you're doing a through hike. I mean, you are, you're waking up, you're breaking camp, you're walking, you're eating, you're setting up camp, you're going to sleep, and then you're doing the same thing. I mean, the, 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 it all comes down to where am I going to sleep and what am I going to eat and right. re- repeat. And when you take away all that stuff that you're talking about, the meetings and the agendas and stuff, you're kind of, your life is so simplified. Like you're saying, when you're backpacking that you really only like a lot of times I'll think about stuff, but maybe it's like what we're having for dinner or something like creatively that'll come to me. Like I kind of wrote parts of my book when we were hiking and 
stuff like that. I just feel like your mind is just at ease. Absolutely. All right. And another question I love to ask my guests is when did you first become aware that there was such a thing as a trail that goes from Georgia to Maine, 2,200, was it 2,250 miles, 2,200 miles? Yeah, it changes, but yeah, about, about there. So yeah. yeah, so I had heard, I grew up kind of like within an hour, hour and a half of the trail. So I'd heard the name, but I didn't really think much of it. And I actually think I was in college. Um, and I heard someone say like, oh, we're going to do a through hike over the summer, but my buddy got hurt or something. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and then I slowly kind of pieced it together and did more research. And then it kind of gets blurry from there because I'm sure how you, how you feel and a lot of people about the Appalachian Trail it's like, once you hear about it, like you don't like, if you know of it, you don't like it. You love it. You're like obsessed with it. I always kind of say, so I kind of fell down a rabbit hole to the point where before I read the book, I was just reading like every blog, podcast, um, book, anything I could like find out about the trail. So it's just kind of magical. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's also kind of mind blowing when people realize that there is a trail that long that you can, you can walk across multiple States and end up in, in, uh, Maine. Yeah, that is, it is pretty wild. It's a great system. Okay. Now, uh, before we go to break, uh, you mentioned that you, you'd listen to the podcast. Do you have any favorite episodes or favorite guests? Uh, um, I would have to look up their names, but <laughs> can I look, should I check my phone? So I was listening earlier. Sure. We'll take a quick break. We'll take a quick okay. break. When we come back, we'll, we'll lead with that question. Okay. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Thanks. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like 
my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Michelle Adshead. And as we went to break, I kind of uh, caught her off guard, asked her for a favorite episode, and, and she couldn't remember. And that's okay. I mean, she couldn't remember her, the, the brand of her trail runners either. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that you're making up that you listened to the, uh, the pod <laughs> and then you, then you got called on it. Uh, I think you actually do listen to it, but do you have a, do you have a favorite episode? Are you able to look up uh, what episode okay. it was? I went through and looked up the names. I'm sorry. I like, I get flustered, but okay. I, was list- I like Rami King. And one of the reasons I liked him is because he's kind of the opposite of how I hike in terms of he's very lightweight. And so I, and I'm not, I kind of like luxury items and I go slower. So I think it's fascinating to hear the other side of things like, you know, how the other half lives. <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting. And, and also I like that he was, you know, eating raw, like that much ramen. I think he said two gallons a day or not a day. He had it with him, <laughs> two gallons with him because I, yeah, I like to like mix it up. Like, I think food for me is how I morally stay. I'm not morally. My morale <laughs> stays positive on trail. So I'm like, okay, I have that chocolate bar, I have this, and I have to like kind of mix it up. So yeah, I kind of liked I like hearing other people's experiences on trail that are different from what mine typically are. Big difference between morale and moral. Yeah. <laughs> you think <laughs> I would know that. <laughs> That's great. You, you, mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned luxury items. What, what kind of luxury items do you prefer to take with you out there? Yeah. So I did mention earlier my camp shoes, which I think people would consider that a luxury item, but I love, I need to have them. And I always bring one extra pair of socks in addition to what like they kind of recommend. I always have one extra. Um, and then sometimes I'll bring a chair. So I don't always need like need a chair, but sometimes I'll bring it. And I'm always glad that I did because it is nice having a break or eating dinner, you know, unwinding and you're not just like up against a rock or a tree. So yeah, those are probably my main ones. Now, do you carry a bear canister out there? I don't think those are required on the AT. On the AT, no. Um, Oh, we just do a bear hang, but, um, I have, and we have one, like we're in the grand Tetons. You had to, um, mm-hmm. cause it's different kind of bear near you guys, <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah, we just bear hang around here. Although I did, I think I saw that they might be making it mandatory, at least in some areas on the AT at some point. So. Yeah. I also saw a headline that in North Carolina, there has been a, an, an inordinate amount of bear activity on the trail. Yeah, I think they had to shut down where the shelters too. Yeah, yeah. The reason I asked about the bear canister is because, uh, as we were talking about the chair, you know, it does get tiresome either sitting on a, a tree, a you know, a, a log, a rock, or your bear canister, and and just being um, hunched over all the time. You know, being able to sit in a chair or something that has a back on it is just uh, fantastic out there. So I can I can appreciate the chair. Is that what you bring too, or do you, what's your location? Yeah, you know, and I bought a chair. I was looking for the uh, he- Helinox Chair Zero before one of my trips. We know. Yeah, that. so it's a, it's, like a, it's a it's a less than one pound chair. Oh, but, cool. Uh, it was like the day before I was going to leave on my trip, and I couldn't. They were all sold out, and so I ended up getting wow. this chair called the Butterfly, where it has just two legs. It's not four legs. It's got two legs, oh. and then your feet are the other two legs. So it's like a rocker. Oh, okay. 
like getting like into that? it, getting into it. It's, it's great when you're in it, but getting into <laughs> it or getting out of it always very awkward. It's like a, yeah. it's like a controlled crash. <laughs> That's funny. I can imagine. Yeah. So, all right. And how heavy is your pack out there? I, knew, she said, I don't really know. I'm like terrible with gear. I feel like, but I like to represent the people who are terrible with gear. <laughs> like, like I was saying, like, you know, I don't know. Um, and I changed, we changed, um, our tent and my shoes. Well, I don't know if you count your shoes or you really want, but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Am I, the worst? <laughs> I lost it, another point. <laughs> that's right. It's uh, it's now a 90. So yeah, 90. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I knew, And I thought you're going to ask me that. I was like, maybe I should weigh my pack. I was like, I just got to be honest. I don't, I don't really weigh too much just because I normally go, if I'm going backpacking, I, I haven't gone by myself, but I normally go with my fiance and then we'll like split stuff up. So I feel like I'm pretty lucky in that. That's probably why I can carry the chair and the other luxury items because we only have one stove and all that kind of one temp. So now do you do a, do you do a smart split with your fiance? When I say smart split, you know, I, I go hiking with jukebox, my son, who's, mm-hmm. you know, he's 20, 24, 25 years old now, but he, you know, he's a, a strapping young man. And so I always give him most of the load. It's like a 70, 30 split. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Horace will never say it and embarrass me, but we, he, he normally starts with the food, but then I kind of get jealous because then it like dwindles. I'm like, well, the tent still weighs the same, <laughs> but he carries all the, the stove and the food typically. And then I do the tent. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really not that bad. And then we, oh, we upgraded our backpacks last year. That's what it really was. And that was like a huge difference. I think it was like a two pound difference. So okay. now I know your track record in this. So I hesitate to ask what kind of backpack do you use? Um, now I just have one from REI okay. and before that I had, and you're you might think of something else, but before that I had a Jansport backpack, but it oh. was a backpacking backpack. It was not like what you saw in school it wasn't like a, like a book bag, a book bag backpack from, from high school. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'll send you a picture, but I still have it. And I lend it out to friends, but you can, it was, adju- it's like adjustable. So you could fit kind of anybody with it. So, um, that was like, uh, gifted to us by my, Forrest, my fiance's sister and brother-in-law, they got them for free somehow. And so when we first started going backpacking it's like nice to you know as you know like the gear is not cheap so if you can get anything a little less or for free so it worked out perfectly because it was adjustable and they worked for us for a couple years and then we were ready to upgrade nice i have a (laughs) six moon designs backpack uh called the minimalist it's a 40 liter i'm going to try it out this uh this summer on the high sierra trail oh that's exciting i can't wait to see pictures yeah nice now uh what's your fiance's name if you don't mind sharing. Oh yeah. His name's Forrest. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's like so a trail he, name right there. He doesn't need a trail name. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out for him. <laughs> okay. And did you guys meet in college? No, we met like, I was probably like 23, like two years out of college or so. Um, we met like a mutual friend invited me bowling and she was going with a date and then it was just like a bunch of their friends basically. So of course was one of the friends. And then we met at the bowling alley, which we were both terrible at, but it was fun. And was it love at first sight or did, did uh, he have to grow on you? No, I like, yeah, we liked each other right away. And then we went on like our next, uh, our first date, like a few days later. And then, yeah. Okay. And I've also, I've also heard mention of a dog. What kind of dog and what's the dog's name? Her name is Ellie 
and she's a cabacu. So she's like, uh, she's like 14 or 15 pounds, but she has long legs and she loves hiking. So <laughs> we lucked out. <laughs> okay. Now tell me about your experience on the AT. Is it, is it day hikes? Is it section hikes? How do, what do you, what have you been doing? Yeah. So I've done a mix of both. I'm not a through hiker, but I've done, um, some like mini section hikes, like weekendy kind of trips. And then, um, some, a lot of day hikes, um, yeah, kind of in a couple different States and this summer, we're going to go to the great Smokies. So we'll do actually like a decent amount of time down there. So I'm excited for that. And then, um, I know you said we touched on this, but I do a lot of day hikes in the same area because I do trail maintenance, um, up in PA near uh, Hawk mountain road towards Dan pulpit. So I've done that, my little three and a half mile stretch multiple, multiple times. So <laughs> Okay. And what, what is involved in trail maintenance? Yeah. So it depends on what is needed. Basically the goal is to have it be, um, a nice hike for day hikers or through hikers. So we kind of say, at least in my club, um, that you want to be able to act like you're carrying a four by eight piece of plywood down the trail. And if there's anything in the way you trim it, if there's any, um, branches, we get it out of the way weeding stuff like that. But then also, um, if there's blowdowns, realistically, if you're wearing a heavy backpack and you're backpacking it, you want to be able to step over it, um, without, you know, too much effort. So if it is too much effort, then we'll have our chainsaw crew come through and chop it up. Um, and then painting blazes, which is the fun part, which everybody likes. So, so kind of all that kind of good stuff, keeping trash off the trail, just making sure it stays wild and looks nice and it's easy to follow. Okay. And that, I, that's an imaginary four by eight piece of plywood. Yes. We're not. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't have to ask somebody <laughs> turning that down and saying, Oh, well, we, we don't have clearance here. Let's, uh, <laughs> no, that thank would be a heck of a job. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to kind of get a, like, kind of narrow out down the questions. If you're like, Oh, is this kind of in the way, but you kind of want to, you know, imagine that's your little alleyway and then trim it yeah. down. The imaginary piece of plywood is much lighter than the actual. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and are you part of the chain, the, the chainsaw gang? You know, I'm not, I wish I was cool enough, but I don't, I'm not certified. You have to go through like certain certifications and things like that. So I've gone with them to do it, but I've just like been weeding, which is not as cool, but <laughs> still needed, I guess. <laughs> and is Forrest part of this, uh, trail maintenance crew? Um, yes, he doesn't do the chainsaws either, but he has built bridges and stuff. Um, I think I posted on my Instagram a little while back, but, uh, we had just like a little stream that needed a little footpath bridge. So he's built that. And I think we have to go back and check. Cause last time a section of our, a, a portion of the section was really like flooded. It was, I've never seen it like that. So I don't know if it's just cause we had heavy rainfall or if we need to build another, uh, bridge, but it was, um, it was like so weird. I've never had to like take off my shoes and socks in that section of the AT and like wade through. We were like, what's going on? So, so yeah, so it's kind of a bunch of different things. And sometimes it's going on a hike and be like, okay, it looks pretty good. Maybe we'll saw some stuff, chop some stuff and take some trash and stuff and things like that. But as long as the through hikers aren't getting lost because it's properly blazed and um, usually they're pretty good at it at that point though, by the time they hit Pennsylvania um, and day hikers too. And just, um, that it makes sense and looks good. Okay. Any, any strange encounters out there on the trail, either with wildlife or with, uh, hikers or other people? 
You know, um, not on my section of the trail. Well, I, I have seen a lot of bears in Shenandoah when we were in Shenandoah, which was pretty cool. Um, and they were like, I mean, I didn't approach them at all, but they did not care about us. They were like puppy. They were just kind of like, oh, more hikers. And they almost didn't want to move off the path. Like we waited 25 minutes at one point for this bear to get out of the way. But um, but that was the coolest thing. That, and we saw cubs. So on our Shenandoah trip a few years ago in October, we saw, I think we had 14 bear sightings, but we think some of them might've been the same bears. Um, yes, that's a lot. And then I do have an anecdote that happened to one of the chainsaw crew members that he was saying he was going through. We normally wear our shirts that say Blue Mountain Eagle Climbing Club, but he was going through it and he was wearing a shirt and he has chainsaw and he came across some hikers and they were very startled to see a man with a chainsaw in the woods by himself. They're just like, hey, <laughs> he's like, oh no, I'm just doing trail maintenance, nothing nothing uh, bad over here but yeah so usually people are like very friendly very nice I'd say the best part so far has been um like letting other people paint blazes so if we see any through hikers we always offer for them to paint a blaze and they get really excited um because it's pretty meaningful and then I have had my friend's daughter um who's obsessed with you know do you know pigtails hiking with pigtails on Instagram I do not I just she's so cute and she's obsessed with the AT and she is like six and a half, I think now. And so she came out with her mom. They're from Maryland, but she knew we were painting that day. So she came and did blazes and it's so fun through like the kids' eyes, like to see um, them get excited about that kind of stuff. Now, are there any, is there a secret trick or technique to painting blazes? So I'll say for my trail club, cause I, I'm not sure if other trail clubs are different, but we do first we sand then we um, have a little template that's like cut out of a um, two inch by six inch like hole, so to speak. And we do trace it with a Sharpie and then you fill it in carefully with your white paint that is ATC approved. <laughs> so it doesn't like damage the trees. And then for my club, other clubs do it differently. You know, like we don't do the offset blazes. Um, so I, sometimes I wish we would just cause I wish it was consistent throughout all the clubs. Cause I think it kind of gets a little confusing. And you never paint on the same tree going both north and south, because if that tree were to blow down, the hikers would have like significantly less area where there's a blaze, if that makes sense. So um, they try to say like about four or five minutes of walking between blazes, if it's like pretty obvious. But if you lose a blaze on one, if you lose one tree, then you're 10 minutes without a blaze, which even if the path is worn down, I don't know, I'm one of these people. I'm always like, okay, have you seen a blaze? Let's just make sure we're on the right trail. So um, so yeah, those are kind of the rules. <laughs> well, maybe that's the next, maybe that's your next book is consistent Appalachian trail maintenance. And then you can, you can use that to have a consistency along the whole trail there. Yeah. It's just those little things too. They do have a manual, um, but some things are up to the particular club. So yeah, it would be nice to kind of have it just cause I know like, yeah, <laughs> can get confusing, I guess. And how many trail maintenance clubs are there? I mean, if you're just taking care of a three and a half mile stretch, so that's just me. That's like under Michelle, you know what I mean? In forest. But, um, we have six, about 65 miles, a little under for our club. Got it. Um, I think I'm looking at, I'm looking at my map as if I could read it. Cause I have the whole map over there on the door. I think there's probably maybe like 12 or 14 and kind of depends. I'll have to Google that too. And let get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Hey, let's, uh, since we talked about books and the, the consistent trail trail maintenance book there, Let's segue to your book. And actually, before we segue, I forgot to ask you a question. How, how, how are you in Forrest paying the bills? How are you funding your adventures? Are you making a full-time living as an author or do you have another gig? 
Oh, no, that would be awesome because I, I feel very passionate about the book in the outdoorsy world. Um, but it's more of a passion project for me. Um, but yeah, so I do actually marketing and for my full-time job for the event uh, industry people. So like weddings and things like that, restaurants, stuff like that. Um, so I work kind of remotely and then Forrest is an optometrist. So he takes care of people's eyes. So he's okay. medically minded, which I need, like, as you can tell, I'm not like science medically minded, probably. I don't remember my gear. So I kind of need him to do that side of things. And then I work on the creative stuff. Well, when you're out on a hike, it's always best to hike with some kind of doctor. So I mean, you got that box checked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have the first aid kit. We have the doctor. That way, if we, God forbid, we need it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about your book. What, what is the name of the book? Yeah. So it's called Bali and Molly take on the Appalachian trail and it's a children's books that I self-published, which, um, basically means instead of like presenting it to a publisher, I paid to have it produced, um, printed. Um, and so now I have like a ton of copies of it, but, or you can also self-publish on Amazon and they print as you go, they call it print on demand. So if you were to order two copies, they would print exactly two copies and it, and it would take like two to three days and then they would send ship it to you. Um, but I kind of wanted to avoid the beast of Amazon. And I realized that for what I paid for editing, um, and I did the illustrations myself, which saved a lot of, of, you know, in terms of a chunk of money, um, even if I didn't, yeah. So for editing and some other things along the way, copywriting, things like that, it would take me about a thousand books just to break even. So I ended up doing, um, a Kickstarter campaign where, it, you know, crowdfunding. So basically if we make our goal, then you're promised a book. If you um, if you pledged $25 or, or mm -hmm. more. So, so yeah, and luckily that was successful. And then I got all the books printed and shipped to me. So that was kind of that journey. Okay. Yeah. And what is the, what is the age range? What, what's your target age range for Folly and Molly take on the AT? So we kind of say three to seven, it is a longer book. Um, so like my nephew, he's three and he could sit through like a chapter book. He loves books, but some kids, if they like the shorter books, it's probably not for them. I kind of say, if you don't like rhyming, you don't like longer books, um, and you don't like that place trail, then it's probably not the book for you, but it is a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, three to seven is probably the sweet spot. You could probably bump that up to eight, but I kind of also wanted it to be a bit of like a gifting book. Um, if you're going on a through hike and you wanted to give it to kids in your life, or if you know someone who did a through hike, I have adults kind of buy it as like a gift for other adults too. Got it. And what, uh, what was the inspiration for the book? Yeah. So I told you about my, my trip to Shenandoah when we saw all the bears. So when I was on that trip, it was right after my nephew, who's now going to be four in October, but right after he was born. And I was just, I was already obsessed with Appalachian Trail at that point. And I just was thinking, I can't wait till I can take him hiking and I'm going to buy him all that miniature stuff I see at REI and all that stuff. Right. And, um, I was like, I need him to, to love the trail. I have to like plant seeds in his head early on. Um, because like I said, I didn't learn about it till later in life. So I kind of wanted to get him interested, not that he has to through hike or anything or volunteer on the Appalachian trail by any means, but I at least wanted him to kind of know about it and, and maybe get into the outdoors in that way. So we were sitting, um, at the campground in Chandoa and I think, um, I was like, I gotta write it. I was like, I don't think there's any children's books. Cause I actually had looked it up before and I was like, I think I have to write it. So that was what I, when I was like. I got to do it. So I started kind of writing like little notes in my phone because it is a rhyming book. It's very rhythmic. Um, 
you know, rhymes in general. So, and so is hiking and backpacking. So I kind of would like come up with it in my head. Not that it was the polished version. It's not like this book romantically floated into my head. Like I wish that it happened, but I would have little stanzas come in and I'd write down my phone or sometimes I'd be thinking at home um, and I'd write scraps of paper, little notebooks, um, kind of all over the place. And that was kind of that way for a little bit. And I, sometimes I would try to work on it, but you were saying earlier, like just work and agendas and didn't really get done. And then, you know, March, 2020 COVID, um, we got stuck in lockdown and all of a sudden, you know, I have, I have my own marketing business. So I was not going to any networking events and I was in the event industry. So I was like, I don't know where that's going to go. So I, had used like Adobe Illustrator and things like that before, but usually just for like logos, like little things. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take this course online. I paid like $13 for a course on Udemy, I think is how you say it. And I was like, I'm just going to see, I'm just going to see if I can do it. I'm not going to like tell anyone I'm doing it besides Forrest. And we're just going to see, you know, how far we get in these next like two weeks of lockdown. And of course it wasn't two weeks. And so I was like, okay, well now I'm going to start working on writing it and illustrating it. And slowly, um, it all kind of came together because yeah, I kind of had that time finally. And we were also, because we didn't have anything, you know, you're not going to events like birthday parties or seeing friends on the weekends, we would go hiking and that kind of turned into like time to think about it and like kind of wrap it all up more and more. So then I finally sent it off to an editor and started my sketchbook for my illustrations and yeah. And then then the Kickstarter happened. So it all, all kind of, it was over a long time, but I finally like got this time, gift of time handed to me and decided to go for it. Nice. From start to finish, how long did it take you from conception to final product? I'm trying to, okay. So if we, if we don't really count before I was like dedicated to it when I just had a few stanzas. So March, 2022, mm -hmm. Like probably, if you, yeah, I guess maybe around a year and a half, honestly, it was a long time. And printing took a long time because there was a lot of shipping delays. There still is, but at that time there was a lot of shipping delays. So printing took a long time and mail took a long time. But yeah, so it was about a year and a half. I also, in hindsight, like if I were to do it all again, I would have written it first, which I did and handed it to my editor and then worked on my sketches while my editor had it for a couple of weeks. Um, because for some reason in my mind, I was like, oh, well, if they change this and then, then I have to change this whole scene and you really don't. Um, but that's kind of a benefit of being self-publisher and is that I wanted to do the illustrations myself because I wanted to kind of have a little control over it. Um, if you go through an editor for children's books, unless you're, unless you're like well-known, um, they'll probably part pair you with, uh, um, an illustrator. So I kind of wanted to do it myself. So yeah, it took, it took a good long while, but I did everything. I didn't do anything consecutively. I kind of waited till that was done. I was very cautious and overthinking it, but yeah. Right. Now the title characters, Folly and Molly, what, uh, what are they exactly? So they're foxes. Um, and I did that for two reasons was one, I'm not good at drawing people. <laughs> I just didn't think it was my skill set. But two, I also like, I kind of want them to, to be relatable to the kids. So I want them to kind of come off as kids, but I also know that people like my sister, if, if, you know, I did get my nephew involved in it, which he loves the book. I didn't want her to turn me like, Michelle, now your nephew thinks he's going to hike the Appalachian Trail when he's nine. So I wanted it to kind of be like, they could be like, well, they're foxes or, you know, maybe they're graduate, you know, it wasn't clear how old they are. And then also I picked them because 
you know, the Appalachian Trail is called the Green Tunnel. So I wanted an animal that would really pop against the green because a lot of the backgrounds end up having different hues of green. And for a minute, I wanted to do chipmunks just because they're my favorite woodland creature. I just think they're so cute. I love seeing them. But A, they're, they're way too small that they're little in the illustrations, they would have been like so tiny and um, they're, they're brown. And most of the time I had so much green and brown going on that the red of the foxes, I think was a fun pop of color. Okay. And what is the basic storyline? What are, what are Folly and Molly doing out there? Yeah. So they are through hiking. So they go through the literal ups and downs, like mentally and physically as through hikers. So you kind of hear a little bit in the beginning, there's a little map of um you know the states that it goes through and talks about a little bit about their planning kind of journey and then you see them start springer mountain and then spoiler alert um they finish at katahdin but you see a lot of stuff along the way like making friends stuff that and again i'm not a through hiker so this is kind of my love letter love letter to the appalachian trail and to through hiking um but stuff that through hikers talk about like her you know blisters um, the food they get tired of, but also the positive stuff, like their friendships and this amazing adventure. So it kind of goes through it all, like all the highs and lows. And I think I had one of the most fun parts for me was like making their faces when they were like miserable, <laughs> because I was like, okay, how did I feel when I was crying that one time? And then I would kind of try to like draw inspiration of that or like, you know, the blisters situations, you know, when they're kind of like, oh, just so I try to think of those, um, faces in my head, but also the really excited photos too. Or if I was like, okay, I made it to Katana and how would I pose? So stuff like that. So I had a lot of fun kind of bringing them to life. Okay. And what was the, what are you hoping happens as a result from kids reading these books? Are, are, are you, are you hoping that they in turn then become fascinated by the AT and get out there and experience it themselves? Uh, yeah, I would love that. Uh, really what I want is for them to just find their passion and like whatever adventure calls to them, because there's a million adventures in the world that you can go on. You could do road trips, you could sail, you could do really any, you could own your own property in like a small little house, like we're saying homestead. There's so many things. So even like writing, I like to kind of talk about that, um, how that was something that I really wanted to do and that I'm passionate about. So um, whether it's through hiking or something creative, or another trail, even though the Appalachian Trail has my heart, it doesn't always have everybody's. There's other trails or things, um, rock climbing, anything that you can kind of find that's your passion and like run with it. And even though it's hard, continue to do it. I think that was really something that I wanted to portray is that it's not, it's not just like, oh, we're out in nature and this isn't beautiful. And then we're at Katata and it's like, there's times where they're crying or they're hurt or they're um, just a little bit miserable. <laughs> and um, just because something's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it or that you should give up that you should find what you love and commit to it. Well said. Well said. <laughs> now, is this the first in a series of books are Folly and Molly going to take on some other challenges out there? Yeah, I would love them to. I haven't started on the next one yet just because I feel like I almost got caught up. Like I shipped the books out. I'm trying to get into a couple bookstores and things like that, but I feel like I probably am at a spot where I could focus on their next adventure because I did leave the door open against spoiler alert. <laughs> but um, for at the end of the book, they kind of say like what adventures in store for us next. So um, I would love to kind of show them doing some other things. Um, and maybe it's not hiking. Maybe it's like we were saying, like maybe they're going down route 66 or sailing or just, you know, living on a farm or something. That's just like a different way of living and a different way of doing stuff. I think um, would be really fun. I have a suggestion. Oh, okay. Folly or Molly, or maybe both of them send in an application 
to enter the Barkley Marathons. Okay. Are you familiar? No. Oh, Michelle. Uh-oh. Michelle. My 80. Okay. So <laughs> I know it's getting late over there in New Jersey, but uh, this weekend, you need to do, uh, just on YouTube, look up okay. Barkley Marathons. There are two full length documentaries on the Barkley Marathons. It is the strangest, craziest race. Oh, really? Seen. And it, it's, it's a trail, trail running race uh, out, out in the backwoods. Um, it's just absolutely insane. I love wow. passion of mine. I love talking about it. I've talked to some, some comp- actual competitors. It's very, it's a very mysterious uh, entry process. And oh. uh, it's very, it's a select few that get into it, but it's, it's got a cult-like following. You have to look it up. Okay. I will look that up. Cause that does sound like up my alley. That sounds yeah. interesting. Folly and Molly take on the Barkley Marathons. That's book number two in the series. Yes, I love it. And that's exactly what I would do is take on whatever next. Oh, and I did have um, one of my friends on Instagram sent me a picture of his son wrote a little story. It's Folly and Molly take on snowshoeing. And that was like the coolest thing for me because I was like, okay, maybe I'll inspire people or kids to like the trail and then for them to find writing as a passion or, you know, Whatever. It's just kind of exciting that somebody yep, other great. than my nephew likes it. <laughs> that's great. Now, how can our listeners order a copy of Folly and Molly? Yeah. So it's um, only on my website, which is www.adventurestoriesbymichelle.com. And that's Michelle with two L's. Um, but you can also get there from my Instagram. I tag the product um, at Adventure Stories by Michelle. Okay. And what else can they find on your website? Um, yeah, I have some free printables for if you do have kids or even if you don't, if you like to color, we have like scavenger hunts, word finds. I just did this little craft um, with like color your own patches and make a little backpack um, and some other fun things. I have some stickers and things like that. So, so yeah, there's some stuff for free and some stuff if you are interested in any stickers or crewnecks or um, bandanas and stuff like that. Okay. Now, what is the next adventure for Michelle? When are you going to hike the AT? Because I can hear the passion in your voice. When are you going to hike <laughs> the AT? Well, through hike, I'm not sure, but I don't, I'm not ruling it out. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but I am going to go on the AT, uh, definitely on my section and, and then in the Smokies this summer for a few days. So, so that'll be the next thing. And we're going to Shenandoah for 4th of July. So, cause I love Shenandoah. I love the Grand Tetons because it's so beautiful, but I just, there's something about Shenandoah. It just has a big place in my heart nice all right hey michelle you know where we are we're at the end not quite the end oh, <laughs> oh i i don't remember <laughs> that's right half calf oh, okay. it's the pro tip insight of the week this is where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better so what do you have for us okay so i'm also uh leave no trace certified so my wisdom would be to follow the leave no trace ethics and plan ahead and prepare. And I also think that one element of leave no trace that doesn't always get touched on is that plan ahead and prepare includes your safety. So that means having your rain gear, having enough food, having a water source, because, um, an element of leave no trace is like, obviously we would rescue, you know, they would rescue you if you were in danger, but if you prevent yourself from becoming in danger, then that's an element of leave no trace. So I'd say plan ahead and prepare, um, and just follow the ethics of leave no trace and have fun and just do whatever makes you happy. Sing songs, invite people you like along, just have fun with it. 
Yeah, because if you put yourself in danger, not only are you in danger, but you're endangering those people who are out there trying to rescue you. Right, exactly. And then, uh, and the environment, if they have to have like a helicopter or like an RV come in and get you out, it's, you know, wild lands aren't meant to blow all that stuff around those seeds and stuff disperse that. So yeah, stay safe. Just Google your trail for, for a little bit before you head out there. And, um, yeah, you don't want to use a fire. There's like a million things that go into leave no trace. I could talk about it all day. I'm sure you know about it and your listeners know about it, but, um, it's just always something to keep in mind, even if you've gone out a million and one times. Absolutely. And if you follow Leave No Trace, that means that uh, the trails and the outdoor areas are going to be there for generations to come. So take care of it. Yes. I love that. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Michelle. I want to thank her for joining us this week. Michelle, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah. So, um, on our website, like I said, adventure stories by michelle.com. And then all my handles are on Facebook and Instagram adventure stories by Michelle. Again, that's with two L's and then TikTok um, adventure stories by Mish. Although I sprinkle in some like wedding planning content and some adventure content. So it's kind of all over the place there, but, um, but yeah. You know, you've said two L's a few times now. I mean, that's a trail name, two L's. Oh, I like that. That's cute. I know, you know, so uh, Forrest jokes with me because my last name is Adsed, which is a very difficult name. You got it right. But then, and then my first name has two L's. So anytime I give someone my email, it's like Michelle with two L's, Adsed, and I have to spell it. And he's like, it's just the worst email. You need a new email. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why I feel like it's ingrained in my head. But, <laughs> but I like that. That's cute. Nice. All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymuir at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Michelle, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, some, something out there uh, to help our listeners stay connected to the, the outdoor life. We're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Yes. I was thinking about this today too. So I have a book um, and it's a walk across America by Peter Jenkins. Have you read it? I have not. It's so good. You have to read it. You're going to cry probably. Um, But it's very good. It's like basically this um, young man is like disillusioned with society. And he's like, I'm just going to move to Canada. There's a lot of stuff going on um, during the time, you know, and so before he, you know, moves to Canada, he talks to this man who's like, well, before you leave the country, you should get to know the country. So he walks, he decides he's going to walk, take as much time as he wants to literally walk across the country. So it's not um, a hiking book necessarily, but it kind of is along those lines, but it's, it's very good. I highly recommend it. I recommended someone else and they literally told me it changed their life. So I cannot recommend it enough. You know, another feature, another factor of long distance hiking or long distance bike riding or long distance running uh, is that the fact that you get to experience the country in a much different way than you ever have before. I mean, usually it's driving, driving 70 miles an hour in a car or, or flying over it, right? You don't, mm-hmm. you don't get to experience up close uh, for an extended period of time. And so I, I like the idea of, you know, being able to experience it like that with a, a long trail through hike or walking across the country. Mike Wardian 
uh, right now is running across the country. I think he's, he's made it past Colorado at this point, he started on the West coast. He's going to the East coast. And one of my favorite episodes ever was when I talked to Lael Wilcox, who is a long distance competitive bike rider, uh, racer. And she, she was entered into a, the transcontinental race across the U S started, started in Oregon and finished in Virginia. And she caught the leader, uh, guy from France in the last hundred miles, the last hundred miles of a, you know, a 3,500 mile race, uh, caught him and passed him and, and won the race outright. It was like her, wow. her second or second or third race ever. So, uh, just, you know, in the stories that they tell, uh, about their firsthand experience up close for an extended period of time with different parts of our country. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's, it's different to kind of see it slowly transition. Cause I think one of the cool things, um, about America is that because it's so big, we almost have like the States are almost like compared to Europe, like they have a bunch of little countries next to each other and we're kind of a lot of bunch of little States, but there's different cultures within the States. So I think it's definitely worth, um, researching and traveling and all that. <laughs> Absolutely. What have we not asked you? Oh, there's half calf. She's, I, I don't know how much, ca- how much caffeine she had before that intro, but uh, <laughs> before we wrap things up, I've got just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What did we miss? Hmm. Okay. Hiking. Okay. I'll say hiking with your dog um, and leave no trace. I'll talk. Well, okay. I guess I'll just say a fact about hiking with my dog. Is that good enough? Um, that. You can, and if you're able to bury your own waste, your own poop on trail, then you can also bury your pets. So I think that's a kind of fun tidbit. So if you, some, even for day hikes, but, um, you know, obviously packing out might be better, but you can always do that instead. Bury your, your pet's poop. Nice. Yeah. So if you were backpacking with your pet, let's say for like two or three nights and they have, you know, they go a lot, you don't have to carry all their bags out with you. You can, as long as the trail allows you to bury waste, you know, a lot of times where you're from, maybe not so much. Um, but you know, on by the AT and stuff, a lot of times we can bury waste. So you can do that for your pet and bring them backpacking or hiking with you. Okay. Very good. Thanks for throwing that in there. I'll have Sorry, to tell that's I can think of. Hey, don't, don't throw your, don't throw it off the balcony. Just bury it. Don't throw it off the balcony. Yeah, that's true. All right. Hey, that is a wrap from the John freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Michelle? Oh, everybody, uh, everybody listening. Thank you for listening. Um, Forrest and my nephew. Um, I just love it. I just love everybody who's into the outdoors. I feel like we're all kindred spirits. So Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed me being on here. I played it okay. <laughs> it's a great community to be, to be a part of. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if there's a guy with a chainsaw on the trail behind you. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.